And now, the cleanest hour in podcasting with your host, Ralph Peterson. This is the Housekeepers Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Housekeepers Podcast. Dare I say the cleanest hour in podcasting. I am... First of all, I'm excited just to be here. Hope we hope everybody had a fantastic Thanksgiving and you're all safe and happy and back at work here this fine Monday afternoon. And I'm super excited to have on Marcel Clark here on the podcast. Marcel, owner of Commer- the Colonial Commercial Cleaning way down in Virginia. How you doing, my brother? I'm doing well, friend. How are you, Ralph? I'm doing really, really great. I'm going to close out a window just so I don't get in as I... All right. So I shut off every alert and then they still go off. So I've I've learned (laughs) to shut certain things like you're out of here, my friend. But anyway, um, thank you for coming on the show. How was your Thanksgiving? It was excellent. Had a chance to be with family and friends. That's all that you could ask for. Right. So it was beautiful. Anytime I have a chance to, you know, just be with family, um, I'm in heaven. Yeah, yeah. And in the cleaning industry, a lot of us don't get the time off for Thanksgiving. Did you? Were you able to? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have staff in place. So I'm one of the fortunate owners that, you know, I, you know, you're never really ever off. No, <laughs> but, that's true. That's true. But, you know, I, I definitely was able to get a break. That's super great. That's super great. I worked all morning cleaning my mother's house. We're putting my mom's house from the market. Oh, wow. so I, I were clean, like back breaking. I was like, this cleaning is for the birds. Let me <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I, I, it's been a long time since I've done clean outs or, you know, and I've never been into like construction cleanup and that kind of uh-huh. thing. I've always worked in healthcare mm-hmm. and boy, mad respect for those people who post pictures of those before and afters of, uh, of clean outs. And, you know, when somebody, passes away or if they're moving on or if they're hoarding you know and you have to go in there and clean oh yeah man that's tough that's tough that's like move out cleans or post-construction cleans i mean that's just a totally different level in, in, in commercial cleaning service i'll tell you what mad respect once you spend thanksgiving doing it you're like all right <laughs> yeah yeah you, you, you really love your mom <laughs> yeah 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 I do, that's a I good do. thing that's a good thing <laughs> well you're down in you're down in virginia how do you say, is it Massa, Manassa? Manassas. Yeah, yeah, Manassas. Uh, good old Manassas. We're right, we're right on the cusp of Washington, D.C., though, like 45 minutes outside. But it's, <laughs> it's definitely still the country, though. It's, it, it's a beautiful place to live. Yeah, Manassas. <laughs> is that, I like the name, Manassas, Virginia. Did you grow up there? No, I was, I was actually born in uh, Prince George's County, Maryland, uh, closer to College Park, Maryland, home of the Turp. Turpins. So how how far away is that from where you are now? Oh, probably about hour fifteen, hour twenty. Oh, that's not terrible. That's no, that's, that's one right reason. That's one reason why I love what we call the DMV, right? District of Columbia, Maryland, and Virginia. They all just border each other, so I mean, it's easy to get anywhere here. Yeah. So talk to me yeah. about growing up in Maryland. How was that? Ah, it was beautiful, actually. Um, I mean, that's that's always going to be home. It's it's just a great place to live. Um, most of my friends are still there, uh, went to college there. So it's just, you know, that's always going to be, you know, like my number one. Yeah. So do you, are you an only child? Do you have brothers, sisters? Yeah, just me. Just me. Lots what? of cousins. Lots of cousins and best friends, though. 
Yeah, did your cousins like live around you? Nope, they were in Jersey, New York. Oh gosh, not even close. <laughs> not even close, man. You just had friends, right? That's it. Yeah, no family really around. But you know, my friends are my best friends, right? Yeah, like when yeah. you're when you're the only child, your friends become so. Like my friends that are in my life now, I have really like four really good friends. We've known each other from childhood, so nice. it's just like that. That bond never changes. So, talk to me about childhood. What did you do? What were you like as a kid? Did you? When did you get your I first was, job? Me, when did you start hustling? I was awesome. Yeah. Come on, man. I was awesome, man. I, yeah, no, <laughs> no, seriously, no. man. I mean, one one of my one of my best skill sets was uh, um, money in the, in the, in the accumulation of money, right? So, like, I come from a bloodline of entrepreneurs. So, my dad, what? that's what he did. He had uh, in in Philly, he owned what we call corner corner stores. So they're like Seven Elevens, but like cheesecake. I mean, cheesesteak is the thing in Philly, right? Yeah, so he yeah, had a of bunch of corner stores. And when I watched my dad growing up, I was like, my dad was the man. Like respecting the community, had four or five of them. I could always go in. The guy, this back when they had the, the arcade games, when they would have to come to collect the change, the guy gave me 40 credits. I could sit there <laughs> all day playing video games, cheesesteaks. I mean, like I was living large, you know? Um, so I would always toggle between Maryland and Virginia. I mean, Maryland and um, Philadelphia when I was younger. Um, my mom was a, a, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, so your dad lived in Philly and your mom lived in Maryland. Yeah, my dad was, he's an entrepreneur. So, you know, he's going to go where the money goes, you know. Yeah, yeah. My mom, she's a teacher. So she wanted to stay in Maryland. Um, she taught what does she teach? What does she teach? English. Yeah, so I, I, I had to be grammatically correct my what? whole life, bro. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, what? no messing up. <laughs> what grade? What grade? She taught 11, but wow. she meant anything that I, every word that I wrote, everything that I said was parsed and it was corrected. So it was like, you know, back then I'm like, oh, leave me alone. But now I, 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 I'm so appreciative, you know? So, but, but between the two, it was a very interesting childhood because, you know, again, my dad was the entrepreneur, my mom was the educator and her attitude on my mom's side, all of her sisters, grad school, you know, master's degrees. So, you know, at Thanksgiving, the only conversation on that side of the table was, what school am I going to go to? <laughs> so when I graduated from grad school was when I really figured out, okay, what I was going to do. But I mean, just growing up there, it was beautiful. And then, you know, when I graduated from grad school, so hold I on, wanted hold on, to get- Hold on, you're skipping like a whole chunk. Like <laughs> you, you, you had me at 40 credits because I, I my, one of my first jobs as a cleaner uh -huh. was cleaning Maxi's Arcade. And oh. one of the things that we would get as payment was he'd give us credits on, like, we'd get credits on Miss Pac-Man, on Asteroids, on Galaga. Same you know, games, same games, man. Those were the those were the go-to games back then, yeah. He just opened it up, he'd reach in there, ding, ding, yep. ding, ding, click, ding, click, ding, click, ding, click, 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 click. Get you some credits. Like, I get tired look, of playing. All the, all the kids in the neighborhood, they would be all around me because they know I get tired and they want to jump on the game. It was crazy. I was the most popular Mortal kid in Philly. Yeah, Hubert, I mean, yeah. oh man, oh, those were the awesome games back then, weren't they? They really, they really centipede. I mean, I just remember hours and hours. It doesn't so get better fun. than that. It doesn't get that, so, those were the days. Not, so, not crap, not like my kid now. He's in his room all day on the weekends. And you, you want those back in the day, you had to go to this to the location, be in there, you could see everybody in the, in the neighborhood community. It was just, it was just worth it, you know, it was, a, it was an event.
I gotta tell you, I think <clears throat> I think one of the one of the weakest parts of video gaming now is you get a chair. When we were kids, we didn't get no chair. Stand up. <laughs> at that machine. <laughs> Full exercise, man. Full all exercise. day, every day. That's all you can do is stand there. You, uh, you awesome, stopped playing because you got tired of standing. That <laughs> That's it. That's the only reason why you stopped playing, tired of standing. Oh, awesome. So funny. So what was your first job? Like, did you deliver newspapers? Did you, what, what did you do? Man, my when first job was when I was in sixth grade, my dad used to send me back home. Cause I'll be, I'll stay with him the whole summer. He'll send me back for a school start. Would you know, uh, now and laters, the, the packs of now and laters. Yeah. They were these candies and it came like 12 per pack. He would send me a whole, bring me home, send me home a whole case. I'll go to school and break them down 25 cents a pop. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was making I was the only kid walking around with a boatload of cash. I'll send him enough and uh, buy me another box and he'll send it to me and I'll just start all over again, man. So I mean, it was really a, at a young age I was just really acclimated to buy low, sell high, you know. So it's and it's and it's followed me my whole life. Like I've been in the stock market since I was twenty, you know. Mm. Like I've been buying my own positions since I was like nineteen, twenty. Like understanding that concept. It, I mean, it's ruined my life. So, you know, I've had my first job. Of course, I did McDonald's. <laughs> I mean, like, nice. who did work in McDonald's? Had they, they used to call me lobby because I had, they used to only let me do the lobby, man. I used to, <laughs> they would only let me sweep. I couldn't even get to the cash register. I think I, I, the highest I ever made it to was like fries. That sucks, right? How you gonna work at McDonald's and the only thing you can do is fry it, you know? <laughs> I mean, like, come on, man. So, but it was a, it was a learning experience, though. You know, like you know, you you get what you can get. Well, so, it's your yeah. first job. My first job was cleaning the high school. So, listen, really? I would have taken the lobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, cleaning the McDonald's lobby wasn't that bad, but yeah, it sucked, man. But yeah, a lot of fast food places. Roy Rogers back in the day, you know. So those were the little delivering newspapers. Oh my goodness gracious, I hated delivering newspapers. Really? But that. It, but it taught you to grind. But yeah, man, you had to get up at the crack of dawn, three o'clock in the morning with a big shopping cart and just throwing those things in people's yards. These kids don't know anything now, man. <laughs> they don't know what real work is. You know, there are people, there are grown people who have paper routes in cars and they like, you know, they're delivering three, 400 newspapers a day, but it's in their car. No, I'm like, man. that's, yeah, it's changed a lot. Yeah, I, it's, I had it's a BMX like. And if I got a flat tire, I had two feet. Those are the things my dad never. <laughs> That's all you had. <laughs> Can you give me a ride? What? You can walk. Yeah, it's on you. Yeah. It's all on you. Yeah, man. I, 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 I love so those days. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, so it looks like you, you've you come from a really good – so it's no – I mean, it's so obvious how you how you decided to go out on your own. You're kind of born right into the whole idea of hustling for money, going after and getting your own money. It's not, yeah. you know, that's not for everybody. No, I mean, yeah, well, I mean, but it was and earlier in my life, though, it was a split because I wanted to appease my mom, too. Right. So, again, education, education, education. So those first when I first graduated, I took the nine to five route, you mm. know, um, but it was interesting because. I mean, I thought I climbed the ladder pretty quickly. Uh, maybe, you know, I was around my like mid twenties and I was make, maybe I was making 60 grand a year, but I was working for this big organization in Baltimore and I'm out on a golf course one day with the executive director, you know, and we're just swinging and I'm just out there going, 
this can't be the top. You know, I'm like, I'm like, this can't be the top. You know, I'm like, this can't, you know, and I just, that day I made up my mind that I was going to leave, you know, because I was just like, I, I'm more than this. You know, I, I think a lot of people would have been happy to be in that situation. But for me, it was just like, my life is bigger than this, you know, and, and that's the thing about running your own companies and your business. It's like, when you create something, it's like having a child, you know, <laughs> like watching it grow and just putting all your all into it and watching it become something. There's no there's nothing that's more fulfilling than that for an entrepreneur. It doesn't get yeah. better than that. I agree. And you know what else is super interesting? Now that I look back on it, my own journey, kind of similar to yours, where I was, you know, doing the nine to five grind myself for a long time, had the golden handcuffs. And really struggled with getting out on my own. But what really set me off was that when you know business, and I say it all the time, when you really understand your business, you see it in all things, right? It's hard mm -hmm. not to see business. I see a, a, a kid with a hot dog cart and I start doing math. I'm like, how many hot dogs <laughs> are I need to sell? You know what I mean? It's true. Like, it's true. <laughs> it's true. A guy, there's, a guy, there's a guy who, and this just goes to my operational understanding. There's a guy who's got a hot dog, or not like a hot dog vehicle, like a truck, like a hot dog truck. Mm -hmm. But I just noticed, I see him all the time. I just noticed for the first time, he has the water tanks on top of the truck. So it's all gravity fed. And I'm just, now I'm just talking. I just want to go talk shop. I'm like, you're out to put them up there. You know, how many gallons does it hold? Talk shop. <laughs> yeah. talk it's about. true. It's true. It's true. But my point is that when you, when you start looking at it, like when you start realizing that mm -hmm. in order for you to get paid 60 grand, you have to make 60 grand for your employer. Otherwise it doesn't work. Either, and so you know? wait a minute, I'm making 120 grand in revenue and I'm only getting 60 of it. I bet if I put my head down, I can make Thank 120 you. myself. Thank you. And you know what you I can know. do? I can keep it all. Right. And then, you know, right. So, and that's, I feel like that's, we're on the same page here. It was just like, you know, as an entrepreneur myself, my wife is a school teacher. How ironic is this, right? My wife's a school teacher. I'm an entrepreneur. And if she had her way, safety is in, right? It's all about, you should get a job. You should get a job. You should get a job. Entrepreneurship is like this, right? Mm -hmm. And she's, That's what it is. she's steady. Yeah, right? exactly. So just kind of like your mom and dad, right? Your, your dad's kind of like up and down. Your mom's mm -hmm. real steady. Yep. And what, what my wife doesn't understand. And perhaps, you know, a lot of people who don't understand is that if you, after you understand business and you go to work for somebody else, you literally are intentionally kicking yourself. In the you know <laughs> That's I mean? very like, true. <laughs> because you know That's the only true. way to get paid is to make them more money than yeah. they're going to pay you. Right. You're like, <laughs> and, wow, and, and you can never, once you become an entrepreneur, you're never going back. You know, like you're never going back across that bridge. Maybe, maybe like if I'm 70 or 80 and I want to just teach you know, or be a professor maybe, but earning income, you just know better. Like you said, you're not getting paid maximum value when you work for any company, right? You yeah. know, you know that. So no you, you're just, like you said, you're just sitting there annoyed because <laughs> you're like, you're like, come on, man, I could do so much more of my time if in fact, but you know, like you said, on that, on that range of risk, I had, it took me a second, you know, to actually uh, understand and 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 respect the fact that everybody's not built for this you know like you just have people they need 
consistent safety, right? They, they're not going to step outside the box. They're just not. And guess what? We need those people. With, with truth truth being true, everybody can't be a leader. Yeah, everybody can't be an entrepreneur. So, I, you know, I'm settled on that now. I understand it. So that's why with me, my thing, again, being as though, you know, I come from that background, like you said, with all those jobs I had, you know, I've learned how, how valuable employees are, really. We hear it all the time, but there is no business without employees that really want to work for you and they really want to carry your brand and they really believe in the company. Forget about it if you don't have that. Um, and that's what makes it special, right? Like only certain people can motivate certain people and clarify their vision. Everybody's not built to be an entrepreneur. And that's why we get we take the big risks, but we also get the big rewards. I'm cool with that. I wouldn't want any any other life now. Like, I know this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So I just talk to people, you know, but people, anytime anybody asks me if they want, you know, mentorships and things like that, I don't, I'll do that in a second because I really want people to understand what real economic freedom, financial freedom means. Yeah, a million percent. It's super motivating just to see and hear people's stories like yours that you just kind of went, you know what? I think I can do it on my own. My dad did it on his own. Like saw the security and comfort of one side. I saw the excitement on the other side. And you know what? I'm going to try to go for that little excitement, see if I can get something for myself. And how did you end up doing cleaning? How did that come about? Oh, wow. So once I walked off that golf course, you know, basically. What were you I, doing, by the way? What was that job that you, you left? I was director of quality improvement for, you know, the state of Maryland. I'm overseeing blah, blah, blah. Uh, <laughs> sounds terrible. Yeah, but <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Reports and all. It's like, this boring, actually, now that I look back. Oh, my God, this pencil pushing. But once I, once I walked off that golf course and I was like, you know what, I wanted to do something different, the opportunity, and, and obviously you have to be good at, you know, squirreling away money, saving your money. Um, but once the opportunity presented itself, I had a friend that was a broker. Um, and, you know, I obviously, I you know, coming off of grad school, some of my friends, they wanted to get PhDs. I was worn out from grad school. Like, I don't want that. So to me, I was like, my PhD is going to be in a business, like running a business, but I didn't know what I wanted to do either. Talk to my broker friend, long story short, I'm driving down the road one day and I look to the right and it's this commercial, I mean, it's this residential clinic franchise and they have like 40 cars. I'm like, like you said, I'm like doing the money and I'm calculating the cash. I'm like, dang, they getting paid. So I just happened to ask my broker friend, I was like, listen, this company is up the street. You know, they look like they're making a boatload of money. It, you know, it's residential cleaning. I knew that, you know, it wasn't going to be super complicated, but I also wanted, like, I wanted to understand the nuts and bolts of business. It's okay to learn it theoretically in a book, but it's something totally different to apply it, right? So I knew it was going to be a franchise. So my friend basically flies me out to Nebraska. I start, you know, I meet everybody, all the head, all the, you know, decision makers. We clicked, came back. They the franchises though they sell you zip codes, so you don't you don't get you know you're not gonna get all of Virginia, <laughs> you know you gonna get the zip codes around. And I happen Manassas happened to be open, so a lot of zip codes that you have to purchase. But the the ball started rolling, and again I bought the franchise because it gave me a chance to look at the nuts and bolts of a business. You know it truly is turnkey. That doesn't mean it's, you're gonna be successful, but it's definitely gonna get it's a map, and they're like. 
can you execute on the map? And here, and then it, it, the ball started rolling. Um, is it the so, type of, or was it that you're not in that franchise anymore? Are you? No, I'm not. No, so you just started there. And is it the type of franchise where they literally are doing the sales for you? Like that people are calling them, Hey, I need a cleaner. And then you're like, no problem. They call you up and they're like, Hey, we have these six new accounts for you. These are the contacts this is when you're going to do it. How does how much you're making? Is that. Well, they, it's, they do. It's, it's, it's definitely a machine behind the scenes. Yeah. So they had, they have a call out sales center. Right. Mm -hmm. And obviously you running all the other platforms. Google back in the day was brand new, you yeah. know, direct mailers. So they're giving you the system that you have to, you know, you had to, some of those things you had to purchase. They do give you the sales center. You're still responsible for going out there and closing the deal at the, at the home. So you have oh, to have okay. a sales rep or at the time when it first started, it's me, you know, you get the yep. sale and the first time the, the girls do their first time clean, then you're going out there to kind of deliver the information relating to the clean, what ongoing pricing would cost you, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But they, they give you that package, but you definitely have to be able to, you know, put it together, be there, you know, sell the brand. So it's a, it's, think, a, it's a system in place. I think that's got to be like one of the best ways to learn it, right? Because I I remember I started I started in healthcare, and I started I did my first job in healthcare with and I and I was just by myself and I suck I was terrible like I because I didn't know anything, mm -hmm. and then they at the company I was working for outsourced it, outsourced the cleaning to a mm -hmm. company that specializes in healthcare. And it was right. the greatest life lesson in my life was, you know, mm -hmm. they taught me everything. It was like, there you go. There you you know, go. It's the same kind of thing, right? Like, right. And that, that's what I mean. It was my PhD in business mm -hmm. when I bought the franchise, right? Like you get to see it. The, the thing that helped me become um, a lot more successful is they just showed me what a real system looked like. You know, like these are the things that you have to have in place. You have to, it ha you have to create a machine. You have to be very consistent. And you got to hold the brand. And like that brand was a high-end brand. Mm -hmm. So they're coming in with four maids. Everybody has to wear uniform, mm -hmm. have to have the shiny cars. You know, you, you have to deliver a certain look of brand to the client, you know? And these aren't clients that like, these aren't low-end, these are client clients, you know, like higher-end households, everything. They can afford it. But with that comes expectations, right? If somebody's mm -hmm. gonna pay you, you know, 25% more than they should be spending, your people need to deliver on everything that you that you say in your advertisements, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what they showed me. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna have a company, you have to make sure that you deliver on that system. Yeah, no, I totally appreciate that. And what was that system like? Like, I mean, it was this is how you do a clean, this is how you begin a clean, this is how you end a clean, this is how you clean a house. Like was there any com do you do, you do back in the day they sent you these huge manuals <laughs> like they really? these, and, and i'm talking about they cover everything from when you open the door <laughs> to the girls getting in the cars to Excellent. what they better look like all the yeah. way to the household yeah. every 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 bucket every split bucket every chemical labeling yeah. like it's broken down to a science and That's then awesome yeah and then they, they so they let you come home but then you have to go back out there right because then they want you to make they want they go they test it's kind of like they test you they they'll, they'll have you go out there but then they assign like a business a business coach to you she'll fly out unexpectedly <laughs> just pop up on your doorstep you know and she's there to make sure that you know the girls had to have breakfast in the morning some sort of breakfast you know like the whole system you have to make sure that you're following it and 
how, so it was, we're talking just residential, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So why'd you get out and get into the commercial space? Oh, that's a great question. So, so with, with that company, there were some ups and downs. And again, I think the lesson there was, you know, just, you, you just have to have perseverance because it's not like that franchise went like, it didn't just go straight on the air. I actually bought it, had to go through two recessions, you know, mm. so it was tough. Um, but finally, when I finally, we were, we were flying um, basically like a plane once we got up in the air and it, everything was, was flowing. I, you know, after seven years, and this is my personality, I was kind of just like, why am I paying you guys this franchise fee? Right. Cause that's what people don't understand. Yeah. You, you, you can be successful, no guarantee in success, but you're also paying this fee every single week. And I'm almost paying them as much as I'm paying myself, you know? So it was, yeah. it, 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 it's like, it's a, it's a cap on learning, you know, like Let me you learn you everything. Go ahead. Let me, yeah. Just, just on that. And, and I, to, to be fair, I've never owned a franchise, so I'm, mm -hmm. I've, I've never done it, but I have, I do know a lot of people who have done it. And I think one of the biggest complaints that I have heard is that the franchise has so many hoops that you have to go through as an owner that you end up working in your business instead of on your business. And so there becomes a point where you can't grow anymore because of all of the restraints from the franchise. Did you feel that or did you see something like that at all? No, early on, I figured out the whole working in the oh, business good. versus growing the business part. Right. Yeah, so, okay. I mean, that's that's a mental decision you have to make. You know, like a lot of owners, a lot, of, especially entrepreneurs, we, we, we're control freaks. Right. We we don't think that anybody could do it better than us. Right. No question. So, you know, I, I, I had learned that, listen, you have to be able to let go and push away. So. There are for every franchise is different, so I can't speak for all of them. The one that you know I did own, I actually again I never have anything negative to say because they made me who I am, and what they showed me was totally worth it. It's just that again, it's just kind of like you were saying of what we were talking about earlier about you know getting paid what you're worth. I can't grow this business and then I'm paying this person as much as I'm making myself, and they're like. What they're just sending, I mean, like it's bare minimum. It feels like bare minimum at the time. Yeah, you have the machine, blah, blah, blah. But again, you're paying, I and mean, we're talking about real money here, Ralph. Like I'm I wasn't paying them small money. They're right. making a lot of money. So that just annoyed me. <laughs> That's all it was. It just annoyed me. Cause I'm like, listen, I could do this, right? So when the opportunity presented itself, I was like, you know what? The the one thing about residential cleaning and your for franchises is there's here you go. You're right. It's restrictive because they're telling you you can only do residential. And, and then they have the audacity to tell you, like, if you go create Ralph's Tire Shop, you owe them a percentage of that. I'm like, whatever, man. <laughs> you know, so those things started to annoy me. Right. So what happened was a lot of my clients, again, said they were kind of higher and they would always ask me, you know, I have an office in so-and-so. Can you guys come out and clean it? We have a so-and-so office here. Can you come out clean? And I would always be like, no, you know, like, no, 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 no. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it sucks. Right. Except so I'm like, you want to organically grow is by word of mouth. That's what, that's the, the backbone of growth and here. And they're, and they're great. They, even though people sometimes don't understand commercial and residential, they're like cousins, but they're nothing alike. Right. Yeah, they're not but alike. it's, but it's such I'm a way in New York and others live in Maryland from what I understand. Exactly. <laughs> it's very true, but you still could 
grow. It's a way that you can expand the business. The fact that they weren't even hearing me on the subject that was that was a, that was a nail in their coffin, right? So, and I and again, we were we were on all we were on amicable terms, but I was like, listen, I just feel like I got, I have to grow. So, what they did let me do, why, and this is one reason why I still love that company, is they did allow me to start my commercial cleaning company while I still owned that that uh, franchise, and, and I told them I was going to do it, right? So once I had a taste of commercial cleaning, it was like I was able to sell that company for a nice profit, right? I was off to the races because I already knew the system that I needed to create. I just recreated it on a different level this time. You know, everything was better. And like you can still find great vendors in every category, um, created our own logo on uniforms. And I think the thing that put me over the top, too, is I had a friend and we were talking and he goes, well, you know, that franchise looks successful, but does it bother you that it's not yours? Like you didn't create it. Today's episode of the Housekeepers Podcast is brought to you by the Housekeeping Leadership Academy. If you are ready to take your career to the next level, the Housekeeping Leadership Academy is for you. It is the number one housekeeping manager training company that specifically serves the long-term care industry. Visit housekeepingleadershipacademy.com. That is housekeepingleadershipacademy, all one word, dot com. That bothered me too, because it's true. Like it wasn't, I, it wasn't mine yet. You know, it was something that I like again. That was my PhD, but it, I didn't create it. Colonial Commercial Cleaning is my idea. You know, that's my logo. That's my brand. That's everything that I created. That's why it's going to always be like my one of my most successful ventures because I created that from scratch. And then once I once we jumped into the commercial cleaning realm, it's just that you know we went from managing three hundred um, clients. You know, that's the other thing I didn't miss. The the older lady calling me with the complaint. They want to talk to management. <laughs> she want to she want to curse me out for twenty five dollars. I'm like. I'm like, lady, you killing my day. But and I'm saying that to say that's 300. We had, we had to have 300 houses to make a decent revenue. Here at Colonial, our profile might be 50 buildings, but we're making our margins are much larger, much larger. I'm just dealing directly with decision makers. My management is in place to deal with the, the, the situations relating to the building. It's just much more manageable. And it's, and and it's and nearly the complaints. Not nearly as much complaints. Isn't it? It's, it was overwhelming at one point. It's like people aren't perfect people. Like y'all get mad over the oh, they used to get mad over the dumbest stuff. Yeah. yeah. And you just can't win. You you start to feel that when you hear too many complaints, you know, like especially on the volume of 300 customers, you're gonna get 10% of that. And you're just hearing them complain about the dumbest stuff. And then your, your staff is getting blamed for stuff they didn't even do. Like that's what I didn't like too. Like once we're in the house, everything's Everything was my team. <laughs> you know, if something went missing, uh, it was my team. If something gets broken, it was my team. I'm like, lady, come on. Like, my, I know my people, they're not stealing you, but you can't say that. You know, you know, you just kind of pretty much try to eat it and figure out how you can land the plane without losing the customer. I can't, I, I didn't miss that at all, man. <laughs> As you can tell. <laughs> As you can tell. Still I, don't miss it to this day. I, I, no, I, I've been there. I worked for a, I, I worked for a residential cleaning company and we would go out in, in teams of two and it was, it was the same thing. Like you, you know, one of the things that I learned early on was if, if you didn't, 
I I worked with a girl, so I was you know like when I was I was a young guy, so I was kind of like put on different teams. I wasn't in charge of any of the teams, so they would just bounce me around. I eventually worked with a girl who always left a note on the counter, and it was hello, Mister and Mrs. Whoever. We're just here today. Just want to let you know everything really great. Clean this area and this area and this area. Hope you're having a blessed day. Like that, she would leave that note in every single house, and I was like. Why are you? Do- Nobody else was doing that. And she mm-hmm. was the only one not getting customer complaints. Yeah. And what, what dawned on me was she was doing something. She had figured something out that nobody else had figured out. And that is if you don't intentionally let your customer know you were there, yeah. they're going to go looking for yeah. evidence that you were there. Yeah. And the last thing you want your customers to do is to go look for dirt. Exactly. They're going to find it. Exactly. They're, They're going to find something. No, nope, yeah. that is a definitely a proactive way to get ahead of it. Just to, something. That's and that's exactly why you know companies you know they do something with the toilet tissue or they leave the blinds open after they yeah, like they, yeah. they want you to know that they were there. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. I remember so talk those to days, me. Man. So 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 I get it. I I totally understand. But so talk to me how how you actually like. I'm really interested in like what was your first account commercial? You go on your own. What's the first account or two that you got, and how did you get them? Like, did you go knocking on doors, cold calling? Did you already build it off your existing contacts? Like, what was the move? Well, you know what? Actually, um, it was it was a combination of both because there's a there's a small church down the street um and it, and and that owner called me and they they had us come in and they basically gave us the business because we're right here in manassas <laughs> you know we just manassas. we're just local you know we're good old manassas and it was it was our very first account um and you know it was it, it was really fulfilling honestly it, it was just really it was cool because it was in our hometown but also it let me know that we could do it you know, and it was it was just like, like I said, I mean, I hit the ground running because I was so I already knew what the system had to look like, you know. So I had I was already we were all still we were still putting we were on Google. We were doing direct mailers. Um, you know, it, it B2B is different from B2C, but there's still some commonality there. So staying in front of the customer in a lot of different ways is is just a prudent thing to do but your business definitely still can come from referrals it'll come from build, buildings that you already have like we have we have a really uh large postal carrier that in their national brand but what they'll do is when they're at their conferences you know they'll somebody might be complaining about their commercial cleaning company you know and that's thing you know we get a call you know like so word of mouth is still there your your reputation the quality of the work it all speaks for itself. And the thing about my company is, again, this comes from me owning that franchise. We don't do the whole low ball uh, contracts, look, you know, bottom feet. And, like, that's a headache. That. Yeah, that's yeah. just a lose, lose situation, yeah. right? So I'm much more intent going after the quality contracts, pr- promising the quality cleans, quality controls, a system that's in place that's going to consistently deliver. I'm cool with that high bar. You know, what I'm not going to do, though, is chase any contract that's a loser. You're sitting there losing. The customer's losing because you can you could barely afford to have the daggone right personnel in the building. That's just not how I was. You know, I wasn't taught that way. I won't go down that road. So that's again, that's an example of how it's up to you 
as to how you're going to build your business, you know? But yeah, I mean, from that one contract, it was just like once our machine was in place and word of mouth started happening, slowly but surely, you know, it just started building on itself. And then it's really about just making sure that you have the right people in place. Like, for instance, we, because that's the thing about D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, we serve all three. You know, if we have a contract in D.C., I'm hiring in D.C., I'm not going to hire somebody in Manassas <laughs> to drive up to D.C. every day. That's a distance. Right. So we're going to hire per at, in that region. And we let our we let our new clients know, you know, they're going to be there. Rain, sleet, or snow. You know, they'll be able to get there to your building. They're going to be trained by our people. And we have consistent monitoring system. So, you know, it, it was totally worth it. But, yeah, that, that one church in Manassas, the blast. How big, blast how big was that account? How big was that church? And, and I don't mean in revenue. I mean, in like, what was is it a weekly clean? Um, uh, oh, yeah, that was that, that's the most important thing in this business it was repetitive business so it's, it's five times a week five times yeah. a week it's a big yeah. church then pretty busy yeah it's a nice size church monday through friday and then don't let and then if they have a school attached a daycare oh, oh yeah oh yeah. that's 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 money you know i was just People, talking to a guy who cleans a church he's he he's the director of the the, the executive housekeeper of a church in texas and he said it's like four square city blocks, the size mm-hmm. of the church. I was like, mm-hmm. what? He goes, we have programming mm-hmm. seven days a week. We're there seven days. I was like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Those churches are in- incredibly, those, those are incredible institutions. Yeah. You know, yeah. A lot of them, they're, they're, they're basically 24 seven. Um, again, they have daycare involved. They they have to do funerals. Like they're they're ongoing. So you know they definitely need our services. A lot um, of that's community one of, that's events. Yeah, always have community yeah. events. They all they're always active. They're mm-hmm. always active. So yeah, they're definitely in our client base. That's really great. So did you? Where did you end up? Like where is your focus? Are you kind of all over the place? Where you do anything and everything, or do you focus in on like Class A office buildings? Or are you more into yeah, the, the you know the healthcare we do, we, space like we, we 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 kind of cross a couple of different um yeah. um industries. We, we our higher focus is usually on um religious institutions. Um, like I said, we have some national brands that do you know packaging and package delivering. So they're they're like at the core of our profile. Obviously, offices and medical so will always warehouses? be. Warehouses yeah, yeah, warehouses yeah. basically. Okay. So, and and then again, offices and and medical will always be a core. But yeah, we keep it tight. Like we won't go into like manufacturing. You know, that's that's equivalent to again, move in, move out, post construction cleans. Those just those that's just drama. You know. Yeah. But one thing that we did do that, you know, again, this is a perfect example of how you have to acclimate in business. You know, we did have to start focusing on COVID deep cleans. You know, so we we had to actually create teams to do COVID deep cleans um, and charge at the hourly rate. But mm-hmm. we you know, we discount that rate for our existing customers. But for the public, that's definitely been a revenue generator. Like that probably you know saved us in, during the pandemic um, because the one thing about commercial cleaning is you have this transition to work from home, right? Everybody, so, yeah. So, so how how did that go? How long have you been doing the commercial cleaning? First of all, before um, it was 2011, 20, 2011. Oh, so, you've been, so you've been in it for a while before mm-hmm. 2011 or 2020. That's good. Yeah. So you yeah. had some long-term customers. <clears throat> yeah. Had long-term, had long-term clientele. But again, you know, the adjustment was you have existing contracts, right? But now these buildings, the, you know, you have the decisions makers going, listen, our half our staff isn't even there, but maybe 80% of our staff isn't there. So mm-hmm. if they, if, if that person is like, okay, well now, you know, we were getting our building clean seven times a week, but nobody's there. 
you don't want the first thing you cannot do is go well you're contractually obligated <laughs> like you do not want to do that if you're smart you know because as soon as that contract comes to an end you're coming to an end so there you go like thinking on your feet so a lot of times that's when i really had to get back involved with you know with our ongoing clientele was i had to negotiate some of those deals like okay we're going to drop your frequency to three times a week all right, on a temporary basis, contract's still in place, but we're going to adjust your rate for three times a week. And then once we, you know, we surface from this pandemic, because we all don't know when this is going to be, let's revisit the issue. That worked out brilliantly, you yeah. know, because it keeps you, keeps you, you know, flexible. Um, so again, that's the thing about, you know, again, um, ownership and, and being a leader in any space, you have to be able to adjust as an entrepreneur. You know, you know, we, everybody knows we, we wear a thousand hats, you know, accounting, advertising, employee relations, customer relations. Yeah, we do it all, but you have to be able to do it all well, you know, mm -hmm. and then, and then under pressure, like this pandemic, you have to be able to settle down everybody. And like my, my conversation with staff was since I had been through two recessions, it's not about growing the business right now. It's about maintaining the current business we have. That's the that's the only goal we have right now, right? I'm not concerned about anybody new coming through the door. I'm more concerned about our existing uh, base of clients. You make sure that we go above and beyond to make sure that they're, they're golden. And I said, we'll emerge from this just fine. And that's where we are, you know? Um, and again, then when we added that service to COVID deep cleans, it actually started a revenue stream. What was what was the service you were offering? We were just offering a a going around like a little hazmat team. Yeah, pretty that much the same thing. Yeah, they, they they had to be. You had to make sure that they had the proper PPE. Um, and then like yeah, full defogger. You know, defog everything. One person ah. is wiping down all levels. Every so everything you have that you have somebody disinfecting and sanitizing everything. You have somebody that's responsible for the flooring, and you have somebody that's responsible for all bathrooms. And you had the person with the defogger. So it's a four person system, right? Got and it. they're just going. They're just going there systematically knocking it out, no matter how big the place is. Uh, but at, for something like that, you have to charge an hourly rate, which was a yeah. pretty good hourly rate. But yeah, yeah, yeah. you. Yeah, because you don't know how long you're going to be in there. You don't know what's going to happen. But, you know, it it, it turned out to be, you know, a godsend, you know, um, because, again, you know, in business, you had to be able to adjust. But that was definitely a, a big deal. Yeah, it's it's super important, I think, in the cleaning industry. I think it's one of those industries where pivoting is the rule of the game. It's not, you know, it's not... Um, it's not something that happens rarely. It's something that happens all the time. And, and it happens time. because of staffing. It happens because of messes create. You know, if you have toilets mm -hmm. overflowing, you have a, I mean, I, I work in healthcare. You wouldn't believe how many times fire alarms go off, sprinklers go off. And there was no fire, but sprinkler says now it's flooded. Now we have to go in there because it's, you know, it's calling a crew at night for that kind of emergency cleanup stuff. It happens more often than, more often than people would ever imagine yeah yeah yep. so that's what that's what i try i try to i definitely you know train my employees to understand but i also with my clients i let them understand too that listen it's not about if a mistake is going to happen it's about how efficiently we deal with that mistake right so some everybody's human you know and something something's going to happen our fault, whose fault it is, doesn't really matter to me. Question is, do we get your issue resolved? And that's where we are, right? It's like, be on it. Like, be on it. I don't want to hear about something lingering until tomorrow. Get on it now. You know, if it takes till tomorrow to resolve it, fine. But let the client see you dealing with it absolutely at that right there at that moment. People respect that. Yeah, absolutely. And with so much competition, 
there is so much competition. You know, one of the mm -hmm. greatest things about the cleaning industry is it's a low barrier entry. And the worst mm -hmm. things about it is a low barrier low entry. Barrier entry. <laughs> you can really have a lot of competition out there. You can. And I, I, I've told this story before. On my street, there's probably, I don't know, there's probably, let's say there's 30 houses. We probably have 20 different landscapers mm -hmm. in the 30 houses because everybody uses something, somebody different. Yep. That just goes to show you how easy it is for me to go to the neighbor and go, who do you use? Because yep. my guy's not cutting my, you know, whatever, not doing whatever I want him to be doing. Yep. It's the same thing in cleaning. So yep. being, you know, that Johnny on the spot, being mm -hmm. that proactive person, not like, I just gave a seminar. I was at the ISSA show in Las Vegas. Did you go to that? To the, to the, no, ISSA I didn't go to the BSCII. Yeah. It was a great show. Actually, it was, it was really well attended. It was a lot of fun. And one of the things when I'm doing my presentation, and so I always talk about the word presentation, like mm -hmm. cleaning is twofold. It's one, how do things look presentation and second cleaning and disinfecting, right? So one's about germ cleaning, but one's really about, does it look good? And I had somebody come up to me after and they're like, nobody ever talks about that. Everybody's now talking about either, you know, cleaning for health or green cleaning. And I'm like, yeah, forget mm -hmm. all of that. Does it look good? That's all. <laughs> Thank you. It does. <laughs> it, that matters. <laughs> that matters. That's, that's the only thing that a company is hiring me for. Mm -hmm. Does it look good? Do that, they come yes. in the morning? Does it look good? Mm -hmm. And people have this thing about smells, you know, does their house smell good, you know, but it goes, it goes, that was a thing like learning your client, your customer, what is it that they like? If you do what they like, the house is clean. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if they're about smells and it smells good when they walk in, their house is clean. If they're yeah. looking for blinds, and you do their blinds well, the house is clean. So it was always, and it's the same way with commercial cleaning, understanding what your client wants and executing, you know? Yeah, a million percent. You know, that brings me to this other point. When I was telling you about that girl who left a handwritten note, the mm -hmm. other thing that she did is she refused to bring in our cleaning chemicals. Mm. She never used the company's cleaning chemicals. And the company's cleaning chemicals were literally bought at the store. Like I think he mm -hmm. went just to Costco and bought whatever was the one on sale or whatever. Mm -hmm. She she just simply would never, she would go into their house. She would use their cleaning products. And mm -hmm. when they were low, she would add that to the list. By the way, you need, you're running out of 409 or you're running mm -hmm. out of, you know, whatever. Can you get some more of that? And I got to tell you, I didn't really, again, she taught me a lot, but it took me a lot of years to realize how much she taught me. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm that kind of a learner. That's funny. <laughs> but in retrospect, I mean, think about that. She is, my wife has cleaning chemicals that she likes. It's the one she buys. She doesn't go and Very buy true. what's on sale. She buys right. the one that she thinks works the best, smells yeah. the best. And to have some company come in and just bring in their own material, their own, uh -huh. their own smell good, uh -huh. it smells like not good the opposite of good but they hate it. <laughs> so that's a smart move too to align or in commercial in residential use the chemicals I, I have a friend who cleans the houses in boston and i'm like stop bringing in your own chemicals use theirs whatever yes. they use mm -hmm. put that on them you know what are you going to make on chemicals 
very little, you know, Nothing. Yeah. it's, it's certainly not enough of a revenue generator. It's too much of a hassle. I say. Yeah. Very true. So the way that something smells is it's a good call. It's a good call. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, they, I mean, smells their thing, you know, so they just equate that to cleanliness, you know, so you could do again. I, like you said, I've, I've met, so many people that were in the residential space, they were all using Fabuloso, <laughs> you know, and they, <laughs> they were all using Fabuloso, man. That's their go-to, the purple bottle. But you know what? You know, their clients were swearing by them, you know? So, hey, listen, you know, you can have a process and go in there with four maids if you want. But like you said, the, the barrier entry is low. Um, and then the thing about residential cleaning is, you know, the margins aren't going to be there because in a, when you're in a situation where like we are now and, you know, when um, economic uncertainty is there, one of the first things, you know, that couple is going to do is, you know, they're going to be like, we can clean our own house. You know, I mean, it's just with 15 year olds. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like, they're going right. to issue some extra chores, you know, exactly. <laughs> like, it's just exactly. common sense. Right. Yeah. <laughs> But at so, work, you're you're competing with adults who it's who you don't even have to ask them. They'll tell you it's not their job to clean. They're right. the best to compete with because they'll do anything to not do it. Like, yeah, <laughs> give it to uh, me. Hilarious. I'll take the I'll take the business. Give me the. Uh, <laughs> so what's oh, next goodness. for you? Where where are you guys headed now? What's uh, what's the next best thing here? Where are we going? You know, well, you know, with with Colonial, we still we still have some work to do. Um, you know, I th I think we can still expand into you know certain markets. I mean, we we're pretty dominant in Virginia, but you know, now now when I first started, there might have been like two, maybe one national competitor. Now they're flooding the zone. You know, mm -hmm. so now I'm like, okay, you know, it's time for us to you know get in the gear because we still haven't penetrated DC and we still haven't totally penetrated Maryland. So now we can expand into those regions and, you know, make our brand known. So, you know, I'll, I'll be doing this for, you know, a few more years, you know, what but I know your, me. What is your, what is your thoughts regarding, are, or have you been thinking about maybe focusing more on one industry or two industries as opposed to yeah we're, we're definitely doing that there. yeah folks we're, 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 fo we're focusing a lot more on religious institutions again yeah, i mean okay. I, I just like how they're comprised they're built they're in our wheelhouse now we have like 15 of them so we understand that model what they need so yeah we're definitely starting to laser Great target idea. on particular industries right even though you know we do have the capability of doing them all we definitely are trying to like laser focus on having one niche so it, it that only makes sense once you've been doing, doing something for a long time because you know you know again same thing in this business people want references they want to see what that you understand their industry so because they're one of ours they're between you know religious institutions and schools you know those are pretty much like in our wheelhouse our go-to's right now so yeah that's where we are in expansion but you know i'll, I'll own colonial until i get bored you know and then you know yeah. with me I, I like i like to move on man i, I don't want to do this my this is not my thing forever you know I, yeah. i'll grow my baby but i get people call i get i get nationals calling me all the time trying to buy my franchise buy my my business so you know i'm i'm not selling at the moment but yeah i'll i'll do it because i have other um interests you know and you know it's 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 again i, I only do something to a certain extent and then i'm like you know been there done that mastered it <laughs> you know i like yeah. i like to keep my brain challenged i want to do something else that's going to challenge me you know yeah i like that you know i i one quick thing that i want to ask you about 
And that's about the culture of your organization. And I wonder, because I've never worked for a company that focuses on religious institutions, but I did work for a company that did schools. And mm. I kind of, maybe there is some symmetry there where the the schools we had both where we were working at night, but a lot of times we worked during the day. So there'd be custodial staff during the day in the school. And so there was this, you know, if you just think about the type of person, and I'm, that's all, this is the root of my question, the type of person that cleans schools, especially those who work during the day alongside of the students and the faculty, they're a, they're a real hardworking, they're real participative, they're really kind, they're generous, they're, they're proactive. And that lends itself to a really nice culture when, because that's the type of person you need to have. I wonder if that's the same thing you find in a religious institution where you're providing, because I can imagine you're not cleaning when they're not there. I mean, there might be some night cleaning where you're cleaning up after people are gone, but I, I imagine because there's so much going on, you're probably having to do a lot of working, co-working. So how did, how is the culture with that? How is your company culture affected by the type of, customers you have you know what i found especially early on is um with religious institution it starts it starts with me when when i'm sitting across from a decision maker and a lot of time it's a pastor mm-hmm. they're 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 feeling me right they they want to see where i am you know period they're not going to ask you where you are but they want to see where you are if mm-hmm. they it's all about that first relationship you know um I've always been in the habit of doing that anyway. Like I like to go out in the field, talk to, you know, potential clients because, you know, it's my brand, you know, and I, I, I never liked when you would call a company and then you try to get through the management and you're going through 10 people. Nah, you, you have my number from the beginning. Right. So when the issue gets to me, there is nowhere else for the issue to go. My employees know that. Right. So when I walk, when I walk and I talk to anybody and I make my promise that we're a different type of company, we're very accountable. These are the systems we have in place. We're going to have great quality controls. You're going to always be able to reach management. And I'm definitely always going to be the eagle in the sky watching your account. I'm sticking to that. Right. Mm-hmm. And they, they, what I, what I've learned is they, that's what they want. That's what they respect. Right. They know. And it's, and it's true to the end, you know, and that, that was what that was what I had to deal with, too. Again, in the pandemic, a, a lot of those, you know, reorganizing the contracts with, with, with a lot of my religious institutions. And right there, they saw that, you know, I was about my word. You know, I was like, I'm not going to hold you to this agreement. You know, mm-hmm. that wouldn't be that wouldn't be that wouldn't be that wouldn't be ethical and that wouldn't be moral and that wouldn't be in tune with, you know, being a kind person. To hold somebody to a contract when the, when the circumstances have changed to an extent that nobody could have seen coming, right? Yeah, that's that's how you grow in that in that particular industry. Then, like you said, you know the people that I place in that building, I'm going to make sure that they're top employee. You know, my my employees go through training, they go through a screening. I usually talk to the people that I'm going to hire, even though I don't have to do it. I do have management in place to do it. I still like to do it. I want to see who works for me. I want to talk to you. And I'm looking at that background. I'm, 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 I'm making sure that they know what they're doing when they walk in that building. And like I said, when I place them in that building, they're going to be ready to go. They're going, we're, we're not going to just drop them in the building. We're going to have a manage, manager there with them all week. Make sure that everything, all the equipment is right, that they know where they're going now, they're getting there on time. And then we're going to let them fly. So 
I'm gonna I'm gonna follow through the entire system. But yeah, it's it's definitely every industry is different. But when you're dealing with a religious institution, you know, I, I'm going to heaven. <laughs> Listen, yeah. I'm getting in. I'm telling you, I'm getting in, and it's because I am not messing with the Lord like that, right? Like anybody that tries to get over on a religious institution, you should go to hell for real. Like that's that's where you belong. So, like, it's never even something that I would cross anyway. But they're they funny. they're definitely sitting across from the right person because I I'm gonna make sure that they're good. You know, too funny. Is it there? I was reading something. Didn't you start a charity as well? Is there something else that you've started? No, nah, I just used to work for Catholic charities. That's all. Oh, I yeah, thought you started something. I'd have to look it back up. But I thought there was something that you were, you were involved in besides the colonial commercial. Oh, company. yeah. I have a real estate development company. Millennium oh, Strategic Investments. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's one of my that's another one of my babies. Uh, you know, real estate development is a whole nother industry. But yeah, that's what I do. Um, it's a company that you know I've owned for five years and it's it's doing well. It's doing well. Do you um do you know who Grant Cardone is? That name sounds very familiar. All right. Well, if you're in the real estate game, you have to at the very least Google Grant Cardone. Okay. Because he is, um, he's into the real estate too, but he's, he's a really, it's really smart, really motivating, really fun to listen to and to watch and engage with. He's written a bunch of books on sales and marketing and okay. Grant, Grant Cardone. I really recommend checking him out, especially if you're in the real estate game. He just made my list. I'll do yeah. that. Yeah. Gary V. If you're in the NFT space, let's see. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I'm just learning about NFTs. I actually, I actually told my family they need to give me one for Christmas. I mean, I, I was all overseas, man. But, you know, the, the Ethereum and all that, I'm in Ethereum. But it's a, it gets a little complicated. Then you, and then you have to figure out what's real art, you know? Like, you're looking at it, you're like, hold oh, up, man. Is that going to really be worth something down the road? So, yeah, the NFT space is it's beautiful, and I think it has a future. But you better do your homework, you know? You can't just go in there buying stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm in, the, I'm in the beginning stages of creating my own NFT. But oh, cool. Let me tell you that um, art is not exactly what I'm selling in my NFT. I mean, obviously, it's going to be a picture, but okay. I am no artist. <laughs> Some scribbles. No, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping to do, I'm hoping to use NFTs as a. You know, as, as, you know, I'm a writer, I have a new book coming out and, you know, I do events and stuff like that. And so that's really what, so I'm really hoping to use my NFTs as access to buy early, early editions of my books, you know, get early access to events and stuff like that. So that's what I'm hoping. Oh, that's smart. That's so smart. the, the art won't be all that up to par, but I will. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, as long as you get them there, that's all that matters. No question. This has been really, really fun. I really appreciate everything about you coming on the show and telling your story. I'm so impressed about growing up Maryland, going between Maryland and, and Pennsylvania and, and getting those two sides, that steady stream of uh-huh. income and that entrepreneurial spirit. And you can totally see that you, you definitely have, uh, have seen both sides and it, you seem like you hold both, you hold both, you hold that steady Eddie kind of job as well as you're willing to take the risk. You're willing to do the work and, Super great. 
Yeah, I appreciate those kind words. Yeah, I, I try my best to be as balanced as I could be. But, you know, life shows you a lot of different things. You know, you just have to embrace it all and, you, and just roll with the flow, you know. So, yeah, that's that's totally me. You know, I remember where I came from. I definitely appreciate appreciate where I'm going. But, you know, I'm in the now, you know, I'm just, just taking it all in and enjoying the ride. Yeah, that's really great. That's really great. How do people get a hold of you? If um, if there's somebody's looking for employment, are you hiring? If they're looking for yeah. a commercial cleaner, how do they get a hold of you? So if you're looking for if you're looking for a service, you just go to colonialcleaning.net. Um, and if you're looking for me, colonialcleaning.net. And if you want if you if you want to talk to me, because again, I'm always open to the public. It's Marcel M A R C E L at colonialcleaning.net. Marcel at colonialcleaning.net. Yeah. And what if, what if somebody's looking for a work? Are you hiring? Yeah. If they're, if they're hiring, they can go on our website and they can fill out an application or they can actually call into our office. Can I put our phone number out there? Please. Anything you want? Yeah. 703-257-7729. Here, let me put it in the comments. Say it again. 703-257-7729. Seven seven two nine. If you are looking for work in what is the name of that called? Manassas, Manassas Virginia. Manassas. <laughs> I don't know why I can't say it. Manassas, Virginia. People ask me to spell it all the time, just like Mississippi, man. I get <laughs> sometimes they just say, "Go Virginia, man. Just Virginia. We're fine." Come uh, leaning. All right. If you're looking for work in Manassas, Virginia, Colonial Commercial Cleaning, here's the number. I just posted it on all the Appreciate platforms it. that we're live on. So if anybody's after that, and they could probably call if they're looking for a cleaner as well. Absolutely. So if you, especially if you're a religious institution looking for a company that takes real good care of you and you the go. Lord. And call. the Lord. Very important part. Very important. Exactly. Like we clean for you and the Lord. And the Lord. <laughs> well, that's it. Thank you so much for being on, Marcel. I really appreciate it. Marcel Clark of Colonial Commercial Cleaning. I'm Ralph Peterson, Housekeepers Podcast. That's it. The Housekeepers Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. Keep in mind, the best way to ensure that you never miss an episode of the Housekeepers Podcast is by subscribing to the show following us on social media. For those of you who are more visually stimulated, you can always watch us record the show live each week on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. In fact, we post all of our videos on YouTube, so make sure you are subscribing to our YouTube channel. If you love the show and you want to help us out, please consider writing a review and sharing the show with all your friends and families and colleagues. And if you are looking for more information about today's guest, all of their contact information and the links to their websites are in the show's notes. That's it. Until next time, this has been the cleanest hour in podcasting. I am Ralph Peterson, and I'll see you later.